so it's been well over a month oh, wow. since I've actually recorded anything. In that time frame, I uh, upgraded the computer and I switched my audio interface. And it's a completely different setup in a lot of ways. So if it seems like I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> that's the excuse. Okay. Yeah, okay. Nice. But to keep things in a punk rock mindset, because that's kind of what we're going to be talking about a lot today, who cares about doing things right? Exactly. Okay. Am I right? Yeah, we were like 15 minutes late. Make some noise. Understatements on the show. Hello. Insert digital applause. Hi. (laughs) So uh, before we get started with everything, introduce yourselves to the lovely world. Let people know who you are and just a little bit about your band. Um, I'm Sully. Sully Dunn. And we are from a band called Understatement. I'm, I'm Bala Rice. Also from Understatement. Yes, Bala Rice from Understatement. (laughs) From where? (laughs) Tight. So the kind of music that you do, I believe it is a self-described party punk, right? That's what it said on your Instagram when I looked at it last. But, you know, in all fairness, you are a pop punk band, I think. I think that's fair. That's fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the hot question, Machine Gun Kelly, a problem or a savior? Um, (laughs) Probably neither. (laughs) He He just exists. Yeah, he's definitely not a savior. Probably not a problem, though. I listen. I'm well. The reason we use that label, party punk, is because it's like its own genre. It's not so. There's no um, stigmas that come with it. Because um, you know, pop punk or any type of punk has like you associate other bands with it. And we, as much as we get compared to Green Day, we still try to be our own thing. Totally. I like totally. um I like mall emo to describe our <laughs> mall emo. Better. Yeah, that's a good one. I think one. it's a little closer. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, whenever uh, mainstreamified whenever version. I used to describe um normal creatures to people because much like maybe the way you feel about pop punk, I don't like saying normal creatures that are is a rap rock band because yeah. there is you know, sometimes people like when people might compare you to Green Day, people are going to be like, oh, like Limp Bizkit. Yeah, like, Limp Bizkit. Not really, yeah. you know. So, what yeah. I have said to people, I always say it's hip hop for people that used to be mall rats. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we're very similar in that way. Anything with a mall is good, probably. <laughs> yeah, malls have good music. What I, I used to say our genre is um, we, I got, we got bored and this is what happened. I think that's it. That's yeah. why I like, used to like to describe it. Got Just got bored and decided to. Make a band. I think that the whole obsession over being very self-analyzing about what a genre of music is, is very silly. I think it just needs to be genuine. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it helps to be like, yeah, it's like punk or it's R&B. But when you start getting very defined, like we are... uh, Ambient shoegaze, blackened doom, death no, metal. Yeah. You know, it's like yes, of course. Shut up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah. you're doing your thing. You're having fun. You're making fun. music with your friends. Exactly. What's next? Are uh, you trying to be like a real band? You know, we are a real band. <laughs> We're almost a real band. Well, almost being less of a real band. I like um. So real bands play in venues, and when we play in venues, it's usually not as fun. And it's not as good of a show. 
C- compared to like basements, so that's where basement. we thrive. Totally, totally, totally. That's where the, that's where the people are. That's will show up for any band. So, um, I would like to be a real band though, but just playing more real basements would be nice. So the question then is, what does being an air quote real band even mean in twenty twenty two in a somewhat post-pandemic, depending on how you feel about that, slash social media charged world, you know, how do you interact with all of that stuff? And what do you think being a real band even is? Well, I think a real band, well, when you said that, I know what you meant. I, as a joke, I was saying we're a real band because we're in a band and we make music and we play in game. Uh-huh. So we're, we're a band and we're real, but as opposed to like a, a I say as a fake band to be one that like, yeah, we're, big things coming soon and they never actually do anything. <laughs> yeah, like totally. I, I've been in a couple of those projects before. But what you, what I think you, what I interpret you actually meant was a like, a band that's known beyond the local scene and beyond places they've played before. Not even so much that, honestly. I think whenever I say like the jokingly, the concept of a real band, it's just like, what is the intention of the projects? Because it's like, it's one thing to get together with your friends and have fun and do stuff. But Mm -hmm. it seems very obvious that you're putting yourselves out there with really cool branding and good photos, doing music videos. And like, you're trying to introduce this thing that's just a friendship thing to the world. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, how are we going to engage with the world in a way where they're actually going to give a shit about us? Mm-hmm. It like challenges me all the time as like a, uh, an unapologetic introvert that also wants to be very out there in the world. It's like, I always like have this weird threshold of like how much of myself and my art do I really want to share with the world before I start to feel like, uncomfortable but I know that I need to put myself out there I've always been really bad at like promoting myself Mm. so I think like the idea of being a real band is like how willing are you able to like how willing are you to like really put yourselves out there whether it is like local or beyond local yeah so one thing we've noticed with other pandemic bands as we call them like bands that formed during the pandemic and have started playing since things started opening up um, like Feeble Little Horse and Tough Cuffs we, we we actually all played at the first uh, reopening of this house when you called the Rothko together, all all three of us. Um, they like we all started basically at the same point, and they like both surpassed us pretty far so far. And they I, I think surpassed us a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think a big reason for that is they have, they put have albums out, and we have not yet do that done that. And so I'm I'm still I'm the graphic designer of the band, and also like do most of the management. So I'm like right now I'm getting the CD and vinyl designs done and all that. Then I'll find like shift my focus to like begging people to write do write ups and album reviews and um, get it more get on more podcasts. Uh, uh, yeah. I think that's the next step for the band because once we obviously every time I see like a friends band or a local band like get reviewed by someone to get on a podcast, I've like saved the post, I've screenshotted it, and I'm gonna message the same except first and be like, hey, we're friends with them. I think that's the next step for us and how we how we are gonna grow. I got you. I think that those seem like all really healthy and productive things. And if it's taking you a little bit longer to get an album out and get things done, that's okay. There's no need to rush art. I think that's one of the things that has been really uh, toxic about the introduction of the like social media 
culture into art culture because everybody feels obligated to be putting themselves out there every day. And sometimes yeah. art just doesn't work like that. I mean, just because like somebody can genuinely write fucking five songs every week or something like that doesn't mean that you should if that's just not the way that you create, you know? Well, yeah. sometimes too, like if you're going to, if you want to put out like a certain quality of product, because it seems like you're putting a lot of time into everything and, and you're money. doing <laughs> and money, right? That yeah, just, the- it's worth it sometimes to just not rush that stuff. Yeah. I think a fact not we weren't with some bands like you mentioned like you know writing five songs a week our, our issue wasn't writing songs in time like we had an album's worth of music done from at our first show we played like a, 11 or 10 originals and there's 11 tracks on the album and one on the cover <laughs> so it was just the fact that we like switched studios midway and then it, then it was a problem of like getting enough studio time and then our music engineer John Steckard is doing a great job he like got sick with something that like ruined his hearing. Then right after that, he recovered and got COVID. So like there was a huge gap in the winter, like in the middle of our album that we couldn't like work on it anymore. Yeah. So we like initially hoped to get it out uh, around Sully's birthday on January 26th. Like we started recording in the fall and it just got delayed a bunch because of all that. But here we are. It's finally happening in like yeah. two weeks. So. Well, I mean, congrats on that. I always say... That no matter what, if a band can manage to get something released, it's a huge accomplishment. Because unless you're like in this world, unless you've tried to do it, it's really hard to understand how much time it takes. Everyone romanticizes the idea of like, we can bring up Green Day again. Like they recorded Dookie in like three days or whatever. And like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that T- have been great? Tight for them, time. right? That's just not how it works for everybody. You know, <laughs> sometimes it might take three, four, five, six, seven months to just get a few songs recorded, just depending on your situation. So, yeah, I think it took like around probably four months, four or five months for us to record that album. Yeah. And, and we like, we, we our first thing was Hello Cares. We recorded that in like April ish, and like during that same session, we recorded three other tracks that are well recording on the albums. So like we like intended to have the album done and start working on it back, way like almost a full year ago now. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. this happened. Yeah, yeah. Everything always takes a lot longer than you would expect it to, or that you would ever want it to. But patience is a really important part of being an artist. Mm-hmm. super super crucial so let's dig a little bit into your individual backgrounds pre-understatement yeah, yeah. what is beneath the surface of uh, understatement so um, you start okay. yeah yeah um i was in a band when i was in high school um called my second heart and i was in a band called gloria step and i was in a band called punchy pit and uh now I'm here an understatement. So with you in uh, playing like instruments and doing vocals and stuff, like what started first, like instruments or wanting to do vocals, or was it like kind of symbiotic? I think I got that. Um, I think I like got an acoustic guitar when I was like in eighth grade or whatever. Had lessons for a year, and uh, then me and my friends heard a couple bands and wanted to form our first band, so I decided to write some songs, learn some covers, and has stuff. it always been like in the like rock punk sort of realm of music no not even i feel like i i was in a band that like was very like strokes 
Okay. At one point. So still like rock focused then. Yeah, it's always been rock. Guitar music. I was in a folk punk band once. So it was like acoustic. Yeah, and his, he, the washboard. And your like album you put out in like 2019 is more on the countryside of things, right? Almost, yeah. More like, it's like it's, things it's like just bluesy. changed when yeah. I decided to put distortion on everything. <laughs> then all of a sudden, that's when all the, like the 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 punk pop punk labels were there. I've never really changed in my writing style. It just like one day I was like, I'm just gonna put distortion on everything now, and I never did that before. I was always pretty much clean in most of my bands. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So then with that being said, what was your relationship to maybe, for lack of a better term, we'll just call it like pop punk prior to you turning on a distortion pedal? Did you listen to a lot of it, engage with it, or have like you found yourself digging into it more now that you're unintentionally starting to kind of contribute to the creative contribute bubble? Contribute to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, ha- that's what happened. It was later, probably in like, 2020 where most people found a lot of those bands when they were like a child. Totally. Yeah. For me, it was like, it was just a bunch of them at once that created understatement. Um, I've always liked Green Day though, but it was like Fall Out Boy, Paramore, Simple Plan, MCR, some other lesser one, Newfound Glory. Yeah. All those yeah, bands. We're named came, after a Newfound Glory song. Yeah. All those <laughs> bands came to me at once and that's why I, I decided to create this band. Um, Blink. I didn't know any of those bands' music before um, when most of my peers have. So it just ended up that way where something I found myself interested in way after everybody else. No, that's cool, though. I mean, that's a very genuine and real answer. And I think that's one of the things that's awesome, not only about being a fan of music, but also being a contributor to music because the idea is to always grow as a musician and an artist Mm -hmm. and there's been plenty of things that I never thought that I would be a fan of that I ended up one day I make something weird and someone's like, that kind of sounds like Bjork. And I'm like, Bjork, really? And then I start listening to Bjork and I'm like, holy fuck, I love Bjork. Oh, yeah, you? exactly. You know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it wasn't all just like uh, Iron Maiden and Megadeth and Anthrax and Cradle oh, yes. of Filth for me. You know, that was like me at 14. And then, oh, by, nice. you know, by the time I'm like 16, 17, it's all like, Bjork, Portishead, and all this like <laughs> other like the complete opposite spectrum, but it's all music. It's all great. So, yeah. so it's my turn. Okay, it's your turn. Yeah, I uh, relatively new to music. Um, I think you know a lot of people you, you talk to, they say like, yeah, I started playing guitar when I was ten. I uh, I didn't I play guitar until I was about seventeen. I got my first guitar, and for most of my life, I actually wasn't a fan of music. I I like was a big gamer in high school, middle school, big Nintendo gamer. And so most of the music I would listen to at the time was from video games for a, for a long time. And and animes too. And what broke me out of that was an anime called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure mm-hmm. because the um, writer of that manga was a big fan of Western music and ro- classic rock bands. So he named his characters like Red Hot Chili Pepper and like Ze- Ze- Zeppelin after Led Zeppelin and like John Paul the Beatles and so like it would be like videos like on YouTube like every music reference in JoJo's and I'd start to re- I like recognize these songs like Immigrant Summer Lives Up and it's like always on the radio and all that and because that's when I got really big into classic rock it's, it's from that anime that was when I was like a senior in high school and I like moved on from that since and it's been it, it was really easy at the time because my, my family is full of musicians like 
my dad was a big um big like hardcore death metal the guy I was always going to shows my yeah my stepdad's a DJ uh, my sister was in punk bands since she was like 14 um, interesting and so like it was really easy for me to get into it like my family was super happy to like I was finally coming around to it huh. so I, I got a guitar um, when I was 17 and I think a little before I turned 18 I got a bass and then I played bass and I'm, I'm 22 now that was only like 4 or 5 years ago so I'm super interested in this because I find that sometimes uh, when I talk to people that didn't have like a big interest or involvement in music in general but maybe they were into like video games or anime and things like that they tend to maybe not have other siblings or family mm -hmm. that was into it just so it just wasn't something that was even around the house right but that's the total opposite yeah. for you well, but I wonder if maybe like there was so much of it that it wasn't maybe like a like a rebellion but just kind of like well everybody else is doing this so there isn't something that's like exotic or weird or different about it. It was just kind of like normal. So you probably didn't think much about it. Uh, I, I think it was more so back then my, my sister and I didn't get along. And so like, uh, because okay. she li liked that stuff, <laughs> I was like, when I first liked, nice. find out, like when I first like started liking Green Day, I was like embarrassed about it. Cause like, like the song just like my head and like enjoy them. Like I can't enjoy them. My sister likes them and she's cringe. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Then you, you told the <laughs> like, story about around. how you're like, you guys were like listening to Arctic Monkey CD in the car once. Yes. And you like found a song you liked but didn't want to tell anybody. So, so just I like I wrote it on like my 3DS like notes app. <laughs> it was like track so seven. Shamed. It was like all you people are vampires. It is shameful for sure. So That's lame. so funny. So I mean, not to stir the pot, but like how is your relationship with your sister these days? Oh, it's really good. Nice. Yeah. yeah You've turned like, it around. Ever since I got into music, we've been like super we've been big besties. So what do you what was it then that like made you not like so you used the term cringe. So I'm like curious cringe. about that. Like what was it about it that was like cringe? Maybe not necessarily we don't gotta like we don't gotta like uh throw your sister under the well, bus. I but mean, maybe just the culture in general. You, yeah, I, I don't mean that anymore. Like I don't feel that the same way. But, I like, understand it was that, like, but I'm it just was like, like at the time like what your like younger brain was like kind right, of what was going on was, in like, there interpreting things, you know? J just like emo and, and like the worst way you know mm. what I mean like hot topic vampire sure, sure, emo sure. that's why I, I, I think I interpreted it back then but like my sister like, does not shop at hot topic she, she's like the trendsetter that her her shit like appears at hot topic months after she's done it sure yeah I totally get that yeah that's happened so, to you too yeah I know my I, I wear these like not today but I wear these like red plaid pants and like people like recognize me by them because I'm always wearing them at shows too and, and then you like, like put the suspend yeah I hang, I hang suspenders like low cause and then there was like a whole rack of them at Hot Topic like the next that summer mm -hmm. that's the exact same ones but like just 20 of them <laughs> that's what, that's what the crazy. Rice family does yeah so you know it's interesting now that like you know coming around to finding or just like maybe not even finding that you like music but being willing to like accept it and get the guitar and get into it. And now I would say you're very much a rock and roll persona mm -hmm. now at this point, even in just a few years. I guess it doesn't take long for the transformation to happen. Yeah, no. Right? But now you're obviously very much embracing it. Yeah. And I, do you find that you still engage with video games and anime and that side? Is yes. it still a part of you? Yeah. yeah. I, um, so I, I think I forgot to mention is like that was in the tradition of being a gamer to being a musician was Guitar Hero. Like that shaped okay. a lot of my music taste early on too. Totally, totally. Um, and I'm still like, I, I did get this mobile game very recently called Beatstar, which is like similar thing, but it's only three buttons and it's like a lot of pop songs. Um, and I, I'm still like a fan of like anime and uh, all that stuff. But 
I forgot what I was going to say. What was the question again? I was just asking, like, how much do you still, do you still engage with the video games and the anime and all oh, that stuff? Yeah. yeah, I remember what I was going to say. It was unrelated to that, though. Okay, tight. Um, another thing, my, um, this all happened, like, when, again, when I was a senior in college and then a freshman in high school, and or the other round, senior in high school, freshman in college, and, like, because of that, um, I, I was, like, in an all-new, like, group of people, like, all of my friends from high school are going out of, out of the city. And so, like, I didn't make a lot of friends in college. I went to Point Park University. All my friends from that era, I made going to local shows, pretty much. Um, and then that's actually helped us as a band, like, get book shows, like, really early on. is because, like, everyone in the scene, like, not everyone. Sorry, that's an, that's an overstatement. A lot of people knew me and, like, knew I was chill and, like, I was always hanging around. And so they were like, happy to, like, offer me a show because I've always been supporting them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, shows kind of filled that gap that was left when all my, like, friends from high school, like, I stopped being in contact with them. That's the thing I started, like, devoting my free time to. Yeah, I had a very similar situation where uh, in high school, I was very much into video games and anime. But I also liked music a lot, but I didn't have any real way to, like, make it, right? With the exception of... uh, making like silly beats on a computer and me and my friends rat- writing joke rap songs about robbing banks when we were like nice. 15, you know what I mean? That was the closest thing I had to music at the time. Uh, but towards the tail end of high school, I kind of like my whole friend group transitioned and like everybody moved away, college, work, all this sort of stuff. And then like around that same time, I started like getting into making music seriously and started like playing shows and just like changing my environment. I got like so caught up in all of this that like music just became my life. Exactly. And then like over time, I found myself engaging less and less with the video games and the anime now. And uh, it's come back around, but like I just got like really sucked into it. But I still feel like um, I I still relate really to myself as like when I was like 17 or 18, I still feel like the same person. And I'm like, twice that age now. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I feel pretty different than how I was a couple of years ago. Yeah? Yeah. You and know, also, I, I just remembered, like, I also don't, now that I think about it, I don't watch anime or play games as much as I did because I just don't have the time anymore. Like, that, like, like starting a whole series with, like, 100 fucking episodes or, mm-hmm. like, a, a game that's, like, a campaign that's 40 hours long. I don't have time for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard for me to, like, justify making the time for that. But it's also interesting because you mentioned... That, uh, you know, you don't really, you feel a lot different now than you did when you were like 17, 18. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, even like from when I was 20, like uh, my other band, Little Gunpowder, we just played at the William Pitt Union at the University of Pittsburgh. And like, mm-hmm. I, that was like the first time like in a college, in an actual like college since I graduated. And even from, from like back then, like I was pretty afraid of like, I wasn't like in a band back in college yet. I was just still like, in, I was just in the, like the scene. It's so like. I just like didn't express myself the way I wanted to back then. Like I was, I was like scared to wear like any sort of like eye makeup or like crop tops or anything like that. And I, I dress a lot more like androgynously now too. And it's just, it was like very interesting that I was like, damn, like if I like looked like this back in college, I would have been balling so hard. And- <laughs> yes. Know, with you know the band now and playing shows, you're a part of you know, your local community, the basement scene, you're doing a lot of stuff, you're getting ready to release a record. You know, once you start 
getting your name out there. You start contacting these people that do reviews and you start maybe getting on some blogs and doing all of this stuff. What do you think is going to happen if the response is not what you're hoping? Um, How do you do, take criticism? Okay, I, I wasn't thinking like the response being like they ignore us or the response being... Either they they they'd like say it's definitely yeah, either if you're like, ignored or if it's you know people are like fuck this because Ooh. there's always the risk. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but there's always that risk once you get outside of that bubble, right, of friends and family and local community when it like really starts to get real, for lack of a better term. And I'm curious if you've had like any thoughts or experiences with that and how you want to like deal with that. Well, I think all um, we've always had. A nice amount of haters. We've, we've never <laughs> yeah. had a, we've no, never had a bunch of good responses all the time. It's like you know, even with just shows, it's like you'll play four shows and only one of them will be a really good one where like everything goes right and all the people are there and it's dope. And with the releases, it's like you know, most of the time it's not really going to get streamed a bunch. It's just how it goes. We were saying how like um some like like hip hop for example gets a lot more streams than like our genre usually does. Yeah, because they pay for them. <laughs> oh yeah, some of them. I, I just think that that genre is more the market it's more is conducive. More, it's more like online, whereas like to be successful in Bandy, like people got to play to people. Like I think, too, and I, we're, I think really we're a lot. No, we're not, we're not better live, but there's a, a big experience live that you don't get from the music, and that's I think we try to go really hard with our stage presence. I agree with that. I think too that a lot of uh, hip hop and pop adjacent music gets a lot more streams just because it can be played in shopping malls and restaurants. And I mean, some places will play punk too, mm -hmm. but it's definitely not as much as other, those other types of music. So it's, I think it's being played more, but I don't know if it's like actually being played by active listeners or right. if it's just being like pumped into the abyss of like, uh, you know, a hallway in a mall or a bathroom. Hey, if I Taco if, Bell, whatever. If I heard our song in a hallway, I'd be I'd be really hyped. I wouldn't even care. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, Taco Bell. Let's talk about it's good taste. Let's go. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the takeaway is we're not we um. If we got a good response, then it would be very surprising. And if we, if it really would, like somebody did a write up the other day, and you found it on our song, and we yeah, weren't expecting like, that at all. Some like random, it was like a good review publication from London. They didn't have that many followers, so I think they're new. But reviewed motocross, um, and just said like, yeah, this would this would feels right at home, and like in the nineteen ninety three scene, and I can't wait for the next stuff. I don't yeah, know. It, was, it was awesome. Like, we got pretty like, green day, of course. Yeah, I was just ran I don't even know who that guy was or how they know us, but that's great. And you know, honestly, if I was you, I would not be offended about being compared to Green Day because they are very yeah. good songwriters. Yeah, I know. I don't Incredibly good songwriters. I don't know about these days. I haven't really kept up with their their newer discography, yeah. but there's I'd say easily the first half of their discography, anything pre-American Idiot, including American Idiot, I think. All of those songs are fantastic, yeah. and I'm yeah. not even a huge Green Day fan, but yeah, real recognize real. It's good. Yeah. yeah, it's all about the songwriting. Mm. And people say they always say like early Green Day. That's not like yeah. usually when they like 
That's what they say. And like the guy in the article, he said Dookie. He mentioned Dookie. He said 1993, even though... Didn't that one come out in 94? It did come out in 94. Oh, he's a fake fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry <laughs> if you're not watching this. Michael Beck, we love you. Oh, Well, I mean, Just keep kidding. in mind, we were taught... Those songs could have been... So a lot of those songs, I think there's some versions of a couple of those songs that are on earlier Green Day records. And they were probably yeah. playing a lot of that stuff live. Around that's, 92, that's 93. I, yeah. I was just busting his balls. Yeah. So uh, I guess the question that I'm leading to here then is like, what is your concept of success then? You know, if you're going to be, if you're, you know, jokingly going to be surprised that anybody's going to say anything nice, right? Like what is mm -hmm. the end goal and the concept of success for understatement right now? I'd say right now would be because we just did our first show not here in Pittsburgh, um, maybe two weeks ago. And Nasty Natty, Cincinnati. I feel like oh, yeah. Nice. Where'd you play? It's, it's a, it was a basement venue called the Pit, right by the University of Cincinnati. Cool. It was really cool. It's like what we do here a lot, but out there. Nice. Yeah, I feel like that would be a, a, a definition of success, at least for me. I don't know how you feel. It was going to more, more other cities and trying yeah. to do the same thing. How do you feel like the set went? <laughs> oh, it was one of our worst. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> out of like out of like twenty three or twenty four, it was definitely in the bottom five or six. Yeah, uh, the show though was great. The show was probably in the top ten for sure. Yeah, great crowd. All the bands fucking killed yeah. it. But the show itself was awesome. Um, for our really our drummer awesome. Brett, his, the kick pedal broke three times, so wow. we had very long gaps in between our set and like they just killed the energy. It killed like our energy. It killed that crowd's energy. It killed the crowd's I energy. Understand. But yeah. the kids were all there. It was a very healthy scene. And we got a bunch of compliments after, so. But maybe it we was got, like, maybe like, it was pity compliments. We got more followers <laughs> than we would have if we played here because all the all the, all the people that would see us already know us. So. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask like, what what about that set did you, what, uh, what happened during that set that elicited the response that I got when I asked about it? Was it just the kick pedal? It, it really, you, it really was. Cause everything. It sure. really was. Yeah. Like we we were playing doing really good right before that happened. We played we played the first two songs and people were getting into it. People were you know never seen us before and around and stuff people d tend to do. Uh huh. And then all of a sudden we have a six minute break. <laughs> sure. Play a song and have another three minute break. <laughs> and like other then, then another two and then another break. It's all right. You know what happens was a learning experience. But doing more of those and hopefully successful, yeah. I would say would be a nice thought of success for understatement. Right. Like, I have a, a slightly like different now. idea. Mm -hmm. That's a good one, of course, but in terms of like measuring success, it'd be cool to like play a show. at a, on, We played on Tuesday at the Spirit and it wasn't a big crowd because it's Tuesday. And um, we played with bands who we haven't played with before. So like, I feel like, I mean, I've heard this from other people too, not with us specifically, but like you're more likely to go to a show if two bands you like are playing but if just one and then like a bunch of you don't care about, like you're less likely to go, especially if someone like us who's playing all the time. So like my idea of success, like being able to play a Tuesday with bands that aren't um, like affiliated with us and like filling it up at like a spirit or at like Mr. S not the fun house, just like for like immediate success. Or sure. not, like, that's not like the end goal, of course. And then also getting like a, breaking that 1000 th streams threshold on Spotify because that's when it starts showing the number. Just on one of our songs, like naturally, no, right. no, like getting a playlist. That yeah. I would be so happy if that happened. Also, there's a lot of bands that it's like the opposite. I feel like we want to play with, or maybe we played with once that 
we would like to play with. Well, yeah, again. that too. But that we, we never get around. That never happens. So I feel okay. like we, we can do that without being successful, though. <laughs> I I think that one of the things that is super crucial for a lot of bands starting out, or even bands that have been fucking playing for five, ten years, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. A thing that really holds a lot of these bands back is that they're only playing with the same three or four bands, and that's it. And it seems like there's usually either like a lack of interest in making friends or feeling like they need to only play shows with bands that sound exactly like them or they don't want to play in parts of town where they don't think that like their friends are going to want to go. And there's all these dumb excuses. And I feel like if the idea, you know, if you want to like continue to make fans or just meet new people in the scene, you should always be trying to play with people in different bands, regardless of genre. Again, back to the beginning yeah. of the conversation, fuck genre. It doesn't matter. It's like if you're in a room with bands that are all loud and fun and there to have a good time, their friends that come are going to be people that want to be loud and have fun and yeah. have a good time. And that's the energy that y'all need. And I think that, you know, it's cool that you got to play that show with bands that you hadn't played with before mm. and just like keep... Yeah, they were really pu- good. Keep fucking pushing for that because that's like really going to help you grow locally, which is going to help you get more shows outside of here Yeah, easily. No, that makes sense. And for our militia we have coming up, we're playing with Lifeguard and Backlight Sound, which we never played with either of them. And uh, I think it's going to be good like crossover buzz with the Backlight Sound because... So always like roommates with one of the band members and like I used to go to like all their shows they were like one of my favorites and so like I feel a lot of like Backlight Sound fans who we both like seen around at, at their shows are finally going to see Understatement yeah. from that and I'm expecting this to well, be plus a, none of the basement kids have really seen them yeah also that the, too like it works both ways because so. like the scene who always comes out to the basement shows is going to be exposed to Backlight Sound and Lifeguard for the first time Maybe not Lifeguard. They play the bass box once, but... So that's a good example of a mi- of a mixture of bands. Yeah, that's a hip-hop band, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I know, I know them them trashy sons of bitches very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I went to that... I think it was their last show at um, the skate shop. The one up. It was good. It's a good show. I had fun. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen them perform in a while. Actually, the last time I saw them perform, we did the live stream from oh yeah studio, I remember that uh, yeah. for them so I guess I got a little private show hey there you go we recorded our first four demos there um, and then I sent them around out to other people and uh, to find somebody to make the final versions yeah but we started in that studio yeah no the, the way that happened the way we found the studio we're working at right now Razorblade Recordings um, our friend Zach who's in Catatonia he was recording with him, he's recording Solstice. The that their album just came out in February, and um, Hello Cares came out, the original mix, and he showed it to John Stecker, and John thought like th- that's like his bread and butter type of music. He loves like poppy punk. Yeah, and so he's like he loved the songwriting. He thought the mixing left a lot to be desired, so he, he offered to mix us us for free, and we liked it so much. We're like, let's go. <laughs> and we used a metronome. We did have to do it without the metronome the second time. Yeah, it sounds too uh, too. I don't know. So you so when you re-recorded it, you recorded it without click track, is what you're telling me. Yeah, which I feel okay. like is more standard most of the time. I feel like most bands just kind of play it and then keep the drums and go over it. Yeah, I've, I don't. I've never been in a band that hasn't recorded to a click track. Oh, interesting. Also, like actually, 
No, no, that's I, I, that is true. Even even when I was in a punk band, we still recorded to a click track. But everything is, it's just different types of music. Like for the mm-hmm. kind of music that you do, I totally. If I was recording you and you were like, I don't want to record to a click track, I'd be like, cool, as long as your drummer's good, I don't give a shit. That's oh, right. great. And he's the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for John, it was more like we didn't we didn't like ask like no click track. He that he thought that was the best thing to do. Um because he like swears by the like slightly sloppy like punk lifestyle. Like sure. So it was that and also like any um like mistakes like that we made, John's like, leave them in. It's, it's no big deal. No one's going to notice and it makes it feel more natural. Yeah, no, I, I think that I definitely get behind that and it seems like y'all had a good experience doing that. So yeah, keep definitely. it going. I, I, I do, I find myself in this weird uh, push and pull as somebody that um, likes the raw human element of music. We were talking about this before, how sometimes it's better you feel in a way that it's better to like see your music live than to like listen to a song, right? It, it, I feel like it goes both ways because like our music just sounds better recorded because there's a lot more layering to it. Yeah. But I, you're just missing out on a, an aspect of us. The visual energy, yes. right? Yeah. Unless it's a bad show. That's then it would be better to just listen yeah, to it at yeah, home. There's no, there's no uh, six minute interludes on the record with yeah. the kick drum pedal <laughs> getting fixed, right? Um, but I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> With that being said, and it's like I like the raw human elements, but also like me being somebody that records a lot of music, I'm so into production. And like you just said, like layers and making things sound larger than life. And it's like, how do you find the right balance of those two things? Because it's so easy to like make everything on a studio recording sound too perfect. right? Right. But you could also make it sound like sometimes it could be too raw, like not produced enough. And that... Mm -hmm. It's like interesting with, especially with the kind of music that you do, um, anything punk adjacent, like finding that that right sweet spot that's just right where it needs to be. It helps to have somebody that understands the genre mm-hmm. like you found. Exactly. That's so key. It's like getting a tattoo yeah. in a way where it's like, you know, if somebody specializes in just, you know, traditional old school tattoos, you're not going to go to them for like a photo realistic portrait, right? In the same way, if like you go to somebody that specializes in recording like hip hop or more like laid back sort of vibes, you can't expect them to produce an adequate punk rock recording. Right. Mm-hmm. They'll definitely come up with something it's interesting. It's nothing against like the, it's just people are good at different things and you got to find the person that like can really pull out what you're trying to do. The yeah, specific exactly, thing that you yeah. need. We really lucked out in that way, I think. Totally. Yeah. And another thing with the layers being added to the the recordings, um, we we like wrote harmonies for the album that we didn't do live. And then because of that, now we do them live. Yeah, it did help our performance oh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I think sometimes you can get into a situation in a studio where it almost becomes like, not necessarily like band rehearsal, but you're able to do things that you can never really work out in a rehearsal space because you have it like on a computer and you can like sit there and play it back and kind of go over every little nuance and like, oh, that's what you've been playing the whole time? I didn't know that. And then like, there <laughs> you can adjust things and, you know, tweak it. And yeah, the whole process of recording, I love. It's like my favorite thing about being in a band, honestly, is recording songs. There were definitely a lot of like interludes. Not, I don't know, what do you even call them? Like little, like, little licks like br- branching the gap between like a chorus and bridge or yeah. 
that I like never actually knew how to play. <laughs> and I, when we were going to see, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. No, nice. there was like, there's at least like four tracks we have stuff like that that I finally play now because I, I guess when you like taught me the song, like I just oh, wow, the pop filter came off. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it was like hanging on for dear life. I was curious how long it was going to stay on. It's back. <laughs> well, I'm good. It worked out that way. That yeah, you learned whatever parts those were. <laughs> In the studio, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely part of the process. It's it's really really hard. I mean, your band's only three people, but imagine being in a band with like I know five six people. You know, and trying to get everybody on the same page, like a back alley sound. There's what like six or seven people in that band now. No. That's a lot. Yeah. Of, that's a lot of coordination to make happen, right? Mm. I know three seems like a lot sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, having more. My, my other band I'm in is a five piece, and like. It's like we play with a different lineup every single time because someone can't make it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so at this next one, no, no tonight we're pl- actually playing. Um, drummer couldn't make it, and we're playing out in Morgantown, so we're just gonna do two piece guitar, bass, vocals, and then t- on Tuesday we're playing at Roboto. Drummer can't make it again, so we're gonna try to practice it if we can pull it together in time. I'm gonna play drums, and the guitarist is gonna play bass, and then the our singer. Who sometimes plays guitar is going to play the guitar the whole time. Yeah, That's going to be an interesting one. Where's like Dan the, at? Uh, Dan had to work. Yeah, he can get off that day. Who needs work? <laughs> exactly. Musicians can't have a, jobs like that. Yeah, like you yeah, can't have a job. You don't have a night. Don't have a night shift job. If you're a musician. Like my, I work usually like eleven to six forty-five ish. Those are my shifts on some days. I have two jobs, but I always have time to like go to a show after that if I want to, which it works out. And I can like stay up late because I don't have to start working until 11. That's like the ideal like musician shift, I think. I think that it's really hard because you put yourself um, in a position where it's really hard to judge how and why other people decide to do things that they need to do, unfortunately. Like, why do you work that job when simultaneously it's like, well… Sometimes finding a job isn't the easiest thing. Yeah, like, it's maybe, very difficult. Yeah, like, and that, especially if it's like a job that like you like. You know, I mean, if it's something that like you don't like and it's affecting the rest of your life, then that gets like really toxic. But if it's something that like is, if it's a decent job, yeah, it's hard to like back out of that. But also, one thing that really took me a long time to figure out is like just because like somebody is like your close friend and because like they're really good at what they do doesn't mean that they're not fucking up your band. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like calling anybody out here. I'm just speaking from personal experience in this situation where it's like, I've been in bands that I felt were really good and we could have done a lot more, but there was people that were being, uh, that were holding it back because of needing to be at work or needing to do this or that. And it really boils down to this thing where it's like, I understand that you're into all that stuff and like, I support you. But also, like, is this, like, what's good for me? You know, like, there's, like, this fine line of selfishness where it's, like, am I being selfish by wanting more out of you? Or are you being selfish by holding us back? It's, like, right. it's, it's, it's like such a, moment. a really hard conversation to have with people, but I would definitely encourage it if you ever find yourself yeah. in the future dealing with that with people. Because ultimately, like, you mentioned, you know, you have your jobs. That you do and you still find time to go to a show if you want to because you give a shit mm-hmm. and ultimately sometimes you'll find that some people just don't care as much as they may say they do and if yeah. you ever get an inkling of that 
Call it out immediately. Don't get stuck being in a band for five, six, seven years with people that don't give a shit yeah. when you could have been like really kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Speaking from personal experience. All right. That's a good lesson. Yes. Yeah. Got, we've seen some of that with some of our ex-band members from oh, the early mm-hmm. uh, uh, early iterations of understatement. Yeah, it seems like the, okay. the both of you have already been in um, several music projects, right? Uh, yes. So regardless of those still existing or not existing, I'm sure you've dealt with this to some degree already, probably. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm real quick. I just want to defend Dan real quick. Oh, I'm not. That's why I was <laughs> yeah, saying yeah. I'm not trying to call out Dan. I was like, yeah, this no, is one of those. I definitely wasn't okay. trying to call out like that person. Yeah. It's just one of those things that yeah. like it made me think about it, and I was. Yeah, just we're like, just talking about it. It's, yeah. Not, yeah, it's yeah, literally yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. not. That's why I was like, I'm not calling anybody out. Yeah, it's okay. It made me yeah. think about it. His job is literally like right across the street from his house. Totally. That's why I said. And good, we make it work. It's you like, have a good job. You got to make it work. We're yeah. very fle- we're like a flexible band with how we play. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, before I joined, um, they're called Little Gunpowder. It before I joined, it was just a two piece. It was Tony and Dan, and then some shows it would just be Tony, and now we're a whole ass five piece. So. We I can make where it's flexible. It's no big deal. Um, Dan's a great drummer, and yeah. we we love him when we love it when he can come out. And if it's not, we we make it work. Yeah, I think that you know it's important. You know, also too, like I said, you know, like being in a band with people that you care about and people that you know you support, and they support you, and you make things work. I mean, it's just part of being an adult and navigating relationships in general, regardless of if it's like a band or a partner or a coworker, you know, in some ways being in a band is kind of like all of those things. It's like, wow. you know, are you my brother? Are you my boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Are you my, like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, you know, there's all this like crazy engagement that you have with all of these people that you're in bands with. And, uh, it's a very like personal thing. I think that music is like, um, not to be like dramatic, but there is something that's like kind of like romantic and intimate about like creating art with other people, right? It's like a very vulnerable nice. thing. Yeah, it is really nice. It's definitely a big sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Back to the job thing. Oh, we've put so much more hair. money in this than we got out. Of yeah, this. I've, lo- I've lost <laughs> so much money. So much more when you order vinyls. The vinyls are going to be like sixteen hundred. Yeah, but hey, I just lose money because I can't go to work a lot of the time. It's like I. I can't go to work because we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. Uh-huh. So I'm just an Uber driver. So I just drive around. So whenever we need to do something, I just won't go to work. And um, we just do a lot of things. So I miss a, I'll miss a lot of key days. And like, I know my life would be a lot financially easier if there was no understatement. But then there would be, <laughs> no, be no point to it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I think that, you know, you'll find a way to make it work if you give a shit. Right, you know, yeah, and, and it seems like you're making it work. So yeah, that's you know, to do that. You know? The line is drawn. Some kids can't cross over and become broke musicians for X amount of time, and some people do cross over. I feel like I'm one of the ones who crossed over, dude. I you know I started really doing music, um, right when I graduated high school. Like I started playing shows. And I started uh, recording a lot more music, recording music for other people, doing all of this stuff. You know, I was like 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm turning 37 this year. And I really just started making real money doing this maybe like two years ago. That's awesome. Um, How do you manage that? What are you doing differently? Um, it's 
Tell us your secrets. Larry Ball wants to know. <laughs> I think that it is, I mean, I've been working full-time in the music industry. This seems like really dramatic to say for about a decade. Like my full-time job is I, I work for a record label and I help people put out records. I help manufacture records. This is what I do. And, you know, that job makes money. It's been paying the bills for a long time, but it's been very much just like paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And really the only thing that has changed is being patient and just like letting those gigs get bigger and bigger and bigger to a point that like now I'm able to like make enough money that I'm like, oh, like good, I'm comfortable. You know, it's not a paycheck to paycheck thing anymore. I'm not rich by any means, nor would I ever want to be. Being mm. rich seems like a, a hassle. That seems like, <laughs> I, I just don't want that that issue. But like now it's like, hey, you know, if I want to go out and get some pizza and a couple beers with my friends, I can. On music, you know? that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I don't got to sweat having a Netflix bill every month. You know, this like just like the little yeah. things, right? But like really the only thing that I could say that I did was I just didn't stop. Mm. Yeah. I just kept doing it. And, you know, there's been times that were way rougher than others, you know, like uh, selling half my record collection, oh, all this, like, you know, to like pay for things, like all this stuff that you got to do. But like doing like graphic design for bands that I didn't want to do, working, uh, you know, jobs that I didn't like, uh, working three jobs I didn't like. I worked at, um, there, at one point in time, I worked at Starbucks, Hot Topic, and The Exchange. Oh, God. All at the same time. Oh, Those are like the quintessential like millennial yeah, stores. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was... This exchange is over. And I still had no money. <laughs> right, yeah. <It> <laughs> you like know, that. like it was, uh, it was crazy. But um, yeah, just don't stop. And just like as far as like the band being profitable, because that's a different thing, right? Like the the money that your band makes versus the money that you're gonna make personally, it's gonna be a very long time before those are the same thing. Yeah. But like with um I play in a metal band called Greywalker, and the band itself is very financially successful. Um, you know, when we started that band, uh we all put in maybe like a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks to get some t-shirts made. And ever since then, nobody has ever had to pay for anything for the band. Damn. It's just that's a matter cool. of like you get sick merch that's gonna speak to the people that are playing show that you're playing shows with, right? Like even if somebody it's like I always think about when I'm like getting a t-shirt design, whether I'm designing it or I'm like uh, hiring somebody to do a design for us. It's like, this shirt needs to be so sick that even if they somebody doesn't like your band, they're going to want it. Oh, yeah. It's like, you start thinking more like, uh, it's kind of like weird, but you have to think more like a designer and less of like a band, right? Yeah. It's like a whole different ballpark. But like, you can make enough money for the band to be successful off of merch as long as the merch is good. And have a lot of merch options. Don't just have like, one t-shirt and like a sticker and some buttons be flagrant get like four or five designs okay you know okay. never print anything that's not on a black t-shirt yeah that's, that's one of john's rules he's like never <laughs> ever do a non-black shirt. but white white though so punks will white, never the buy only other one. not black white I mean, with black text is white nice. white with black you can sometimes get away with no it depends on the design mm -hmm. um, it does I, I but for the most part that's the thing keep it simple Keep it simple. It's the cheapest thing to do. 
because that's the thing too. Like, say you get like a two, three, four colors design shirt. It's more expensive to manufacture those mm-hmm. shirts, mm-hmm. but you can't really sell them for more money than you would sell a exactly. black and white t-shirt for. Yeah. And most people that are into punk or rock or guitar music, they just want a black and white t-shirt. It true. looks great. Very true. It's cheaper to make. You could sell it for the same amount of money. You're return on investment is much higher. Now I sound like no, a stockbroker or something. I definitely understand that. Uh, and I think that's that's a better thing to do. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to like shop around for like uh, getting different things manufactured as far as like t-shirts, buttons, stickers, CDs, vinyl. Look around. Feel free to ask people questions. Feel free to ask me questions. Uh-huh. Um, and the biggest thing, and I hate saying this out loud, just because somebody is local doesn't mean they're the best option for manufacturing your yeah, product. That's fine. Um, I've definitely gotten, I mean, there's a lot of local businesses that I do support that I still work with, but I've definitely gotten burned by some too that mm-hmm. have like, you know, I've paid a little bit more money to get something manufactured from them because they are an independent business and I want to support. But then when the product I get back is like, shit. It's like, I've <laughs> given you a lot of money for shit. You've done a bad mm-hmm. job. I don't care if you're local, if you aren't going to hold up your end of the bargain. That that's, I'm ranting. Wow. Sorry. That's good. That's <laughs> awesome, though. <laughs> Ball, where does uh, our merch come from? But yeah, I think the internet, uh, uh, whatever the cheapest thing, and that prints very quickly on here. That's why I picked our shirt designs because I wanted to get our, we, I just done a nude one for the shirt. And people like that one, like, like my roommate, like, he was like, was brutally honest to me. He was like, yeah, that shirt's really cool. I didn't buy the last one because it sucked. <laughs> in, in nicer terms, they said nice. that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to have the shirts ready before we went to Cincinnati. And so I just found the place that was cheap and also the printed fastest. And we got them um, about, about like eight bucks a shirt. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. And we got them in time. That's not bad. How many shirts did you get made in total? I, th- I think just 15 in this batch. Okay. Yeah. For, for that low of a quantity of shirts... Um, that's not a bad price. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not to get like too inside baseball-y, but if you sell those shirts for like 15 bucks, that's a like close yeah. to double profit. Yeah, we're at 15. Yeah. yeah the, the last shirts took about um, maybe like 10 months to sell them all. We finally like got rid of them all in March and we got them in like May or June. So Probably one or two floating around somewhere. Yeah. yeah. There's always... That, there's, that, that, was, yeah. that was like 40. So like I didn't want like get way too many and just have them forever. Like, yeah, just get get a get a ton of designs. Yeah, just get a bunch of designs and like get like also like the way that the merchandise is displayed is huge. Mm-hmm. Get get some nice wire racks and some clips. Don't just like lay shirts. That would be on nice. Table. That's what we've been doing. You know, like and we have been sitting with it. It's. I feel like we'd be better oh, need, selling yeah, merch yeah. if we stayed with the yeah, merch. Yeah, you got it. You got to yeah, get like a nice display that's lit well. Have somebody that's always somebody that's sitting with the merch. It's like always. always why is it half the time it's on a laundry machine? It's like on a it's yeah. literally on like different laundry machines in different places. Get a, get like, a nice you know. get a nice table or something. You know, just like there's ways like the presentation is everything. Okay. Um, and it's like you can even you have a nice enough setup and you're in a real club. You could probably sell a shirt for twenty dollars. That's, that's pushing it. And <laughs> no, I, that's and pretty like, standard. The thing is, it's a I, good night. I felt like really gross about like upping the price of my band's merchandise for a long time. But it was like, this is the only way that we're going to continue to be a band. It's like the price of gas is twice what it was. 
So why not make my shirt an extra five bucks? We're all driving to get here. It's like True. there's cost in this. Yeah. So, uh, and I think most people that are going to support you are going to understand that. And they probably won't even think twice about it. Trust mm-hmm. me. People spend $20 all the time on way less things, way less cool things mm-hmm. than like a shirt that they can actually have. Right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Sick. So, Sick. big you merch got now talk coming out. Yeah. Um, when is that coming out? It's eight, the April fifteenth, Friday. Yeah. Friday, April fifteenth. So, I'm actually gonna upload this episode tonight. Okay. Right on. So this will be up today, tonight, in a couple weeks. The album's gonna be available, I imagine, on all of the streaming services. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spotify. I, I clicked all the boxes on DistroKid. There you go. Say so tight. Bandcamp. Yeah. Spotify and Bandcamp. Apple Music. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. We're, we're called, SoundCloud rapper band. That's it's called Get Away with Murder. That's gonna be a good album, I think. I like it. I think if you listen, I listen to, to it for fun all the time. If you get like really high or aren't in the right mood, you're like, this is this is not it. <laughs> but then yeah, you, you you'll like, listen to it at the right time of day, like a nice four PM or five PM. It sounds really good around that time. No, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> you, you it's a high, really good album, I think. You get high and listen to it, you'll start to notice that there's like Sully's chain dingling in the background of songs and like sniffles on this other track and there's a dog barking in one of them at the beginning. Very subtly is that you have to be like high to like notice. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. you feel a, like, yeah, you gotta... Like, I feel like it gives a character you a little like your sticks. third... You know, there's a like third, third year. Eye. Yeah, yeah third year. The third year. The third year. The third year. That's a new thing. No, yeah, and the cover looks really cool. And Paul, you're just doing like the inside cover. We got like a nice collage of pictures of yeah. a bunch of us just hanging out with people and something really mushy like that. Like you open the CD and see a bunch of pictures of like us and our friends just hanging out, or maybe at a show, or mm. yeah, doing stuff. Good. Yeah, we cool. we decided to make the album cover like very. Ba- like nothing, nothing like b- basic, you know. It just the name on like a textured background. Um, that's what Sully wanted, and I, I like took that design chance for myself. I got to make this look as cool as possible. That's why I feel like we'll bring up the our name st- on black. Our streams because, um, just put our our band name right there because most of our other releases, our band name is kind of small and in the corner, so people might not yeah. not, not understand what they're listening to or like. There's a lot going on in the art, so just make something really simple, and so they know to click on that one instead of some of our singles as the main thing to listen to. Mm. Yeah. Finding the air quote proper way to brand your band is so fucking difficult, but simultaneously it's so easy to overcomplicate it and make it more difficult than it needs to be. Mm. Yes. It's like that, that fine line, especially when you're doing anything like it seems so simple in terms of like rock, just like, edgy text, black and white fonts, you know, but you want to like have some personality to the branding that like establishes you like your identity and is maybe almost as unique as like the sound that you're trying to put out there. So people understand what's going on because they're going to like chance start. People are going to see your logo. They're going to see your t-shirt design. They're going to see your promo photos before they listen to a second of your music. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you make that inviting? And how do you make that uh, as like uh, engaging and to draw in the right people so they want 
to listen to it. You yeah. Know? It's no, an interesting thing. I feel like I got a pretty good grasp on that because I, I, I do all our designs. I went, I went to school for graphic design. Um, and even just our logo itself, I think, is very like, it strikes the right balance between like edge and like pop and like, clean cleanliness because like the font itself like if it was straightened out it looks like a like a very like you know i don't know like poppy font you know yeah but it's like a little tilted and then like we have like like grit all over it and like cracks to make it like the edginess but then the colors are really bright too so it factors into the and i think it like make it like exemplifies our sound yeah a lot no i think the, the the one thing that has really you know stood out just about your stuff so far to me is the branding. I think mm -hmm. it's branded really fucking well. So keep that up. It's never it's, changed. It's very, it's very beneficial to have somebody that not only has the skill set but the vision in the camp. Mm -hmm. you know? I know me and Brett, our drummer, uh, um, have no idea how to do merely do any of those <laughs> things. Um, like I don't even have a computer. Someone's <laughs> like, <laughs> like asking me like, how did you make that? And I'm like. I used Photoshop. I don't know what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it it is definitely nice. And it's, it's, I think Lisa's going to make like a, a really great portfolio piece when it's all, at least it's not going to be done, but like, I'll just have like, whenever I'm like trying to apply for like big boy graphic design jobs, because um, I've, I've been working on an internship for like two years. That's paid. That's my one of my jobs. Nice. Um, yeah, that's it, pretty good. But just like this massive like portfolio piece of like months and months worth of content that all like is linked in the same like brand identity and on top of that like I did a lot of like the managing and booking for the shows and so that like also looks good on a resume that I like I ran a lot of this I ran yeah. I run the social media pages and all that so I'm um, yeah and we're it's fun to do like I love graphic design that's why I, like I chose to go to college for it and why I wanted to be my career but yeah I just like spend my free time like let's work on more album stuff let's make a fun little graphic for the social media yeah there's always something out new to make or you find something new to make yeah even if we don't, not didn't even talk about it before <laughs> yeah, most of the time we don't it's, yeah it's good it's good to have that because trust me having the opposite of that and just being a band that exists but neglects to let the world know that you exist mm -hmm. yeah. is incredibly counterproductive. I know, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, so so many hardcore bands in the city like don't have in social media. I'm like how how do you do how do you operate? I don't, I wish like I guess I can just talk to these guys and ask that, but I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I think that <laughs> they are... like they like share the flyers on like their personals, I think that's how they do it. But it'd be like helpful if like they had a maybe it's like it's like not punk to have Instagram. I don't know. I'm not I'm, I'm even not punk enough. But. <laughs> well, I think there, there was there was an interesting time when, uh, like, fuck, like Instagram first became a thing, where it was like, should our band even have an Instagram? Should a uh -huh. band have a Twitter? You know, MySpace made sense because they actually had like MySpace music for mm -hmm. bands to make yeah. accounts. And then Facebook started doing like the brand thing. So it was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. But now it's like you're put on the same pedestal as like Coca-Cola and like Gerber. No, like <laughs> <So> <laughs> baby food. Baby food. Whenever like, you know, you're trying to promote your band and like, oh no, it always felt so weird, but you start seeing other people doing it and it's just kind of like, oh well. I mean, everybody just kind of like blindly follows suit. But I think with, like the hardcore community. I think a lot of those scenes 
you know, there's places where they have shows regularly. Yeah. And people are going to go to those shows no matter mm-hmm. what. That makes sense. You know, so the bands are going to get found out about regardless, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> from personal experience, you know, with some of my bands, I feel like there are a lot of people that come to our shows that I don't know or ever see interacting with us on social media. And then there's a lot of people that interact with us on social media that never come to our shows. Yeah. Oh, we got so, lots of those. So there's we do? Two di- it's almost really? like there's two different worlds anyways. You know, it's like a lot of the people that are at the shows aren't even online or engaging with us anyways. So for me, social media is just an opportunity to at least maybe get our band or brand or whatever known to some people, even if they're not going to come out, they'll at least know who we are. Yeah, at least a little bit streaming the music that's, too. Yeah. That's still power in yeah. some way, right? And uh, so I think maybe there's just some bands that aren't interested in engaging or they don't need that sort of, they don't need that side. You know, they'll just take the people that are coming to shows. Yeah, I, I think I was, I was thinking of it as a matter of convenience, like, t- like to tag them in a post and like, they don't have to like socialize, just like post all your flyers in one place so we know what's coming up next. You want to have to like remind people and like link to all your music because sometimes it's like hard to track these bands down. And like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's their choice of it, you know. Yeah, there's there's a band that um, it had been a while since I had played any shows with a band that had zero social media, and then it finally happened. We played with a band from the middle of PA called Faux Fear. My band Some Faith played with them. And oh, you're in Some Faith with uh, Indigo? Yeah. Nice. Yes. Right on. That's I didn't me. realize that. Yeah. Right on. Surprise! No. Um, but uh, we played with Faux Fear and they have zero social media. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. And they're like touring. And, how, and how does that work? I don't know. How do you and, how do you contact venues? And like, on they're media? just like they just they sent us an email. Oh, email. and then we okay. got asked to play with them again in July, um, but we can't do the July show. And it was like really interesting. Where I think that my my assumption maybe with this band because they're a newer band. I think that they have contacts to tour because they've been in other bands. That makes sense. And I think right now. They're just testing the waters and trying to build up a following before establishing any social media. So once they do, it's all like really good. Like they already have a fan base that's nice. ready. There's not going to yeah. be like, you know, like you may go back and like look at things that your band posted like two or three years ago and you're like, oh, why did we do that? They're never yeah. going to have that mm-hmm. the if first they decide post. to get, if they decide to, you know, start. I think that sometimes it's maybe just like, what is the digital footprint of your band going to be? Like, you know, there's live video of my bands from like five, six years ago that I'm like, woof, but it's on the internet now, right? There's a digital footprint of us and like that stuff isn't going to go away. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to think about it like that. I was actually just last night looking at our band's like Instagram story archive and uh, we kind of did the opposite of what you just described where we like started try to get an Instagram following before we play music or had anything out. Like, cause I remember I saw the post of like, Hey, thanks for hundred followers. That was, that was like before we dropped Hello Cares before we played our first show, uh-huh. which same day. Um, so yeah, just interesting that like, we like accrued fans, bef- they're all like friends, you know, yeah. but like before we did play anything, I think as a result, 
our like first single like had the f- best first day streams of any of our music so far. We haven't we have not caught up that since that they got like almost hundred on the first day and like it's been yeah. like the, sad. The same since. exact thing happened. Hopefully with, the album changes. Hopefully the, get more. The same exact thing happened with some faith. We like announced that we were doing the project and everybody was like, "What?" Because like we had like a lot of like we have like two very different friend circles. Mm-hmm. Like me and Indigo have known each other for years, but like our paths don't intersect in a way that's like really normal. So when people saw that we were doing the project together, everybody was like, "What the fuck? That's cool." Mm-hmm. So everybody was like really excited to hear the first song. And then like we dropped the EP and it was like very much I mean people listened to it, but it wasn't anything like that that first bump of people just being curious to know what it was all about, you know? Okay. And okay. I wish yeah. that like I could like maintain that all the time. How do you keep people mm-hmm. interested perpetually in what you're doing, especially when like the only market that you have at the time to promote to is just like friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's reassuring because part of me was always worried that like people listened to the first single and, and that was before we got it mixed by a different studio and like people just thought like, oh, this sucks. I'm, I'm giving up on this band. <laughs> but if, if it's natural, then... Yeah, I think, I think that it's normal and I think that if, you know, you continue to put out music that you're proud of, the music that you think is good and you keep that energy with it, mm-hmm. People are going to be intrigued by that energy to listen to it. Even if it may be, it might not be your friends. I find now that like my close friends are the last people to know what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to anything. There's people that I don't know at all that like, you know, we've been in other cities and there's people that know what I'm doing more than like my best friends know what I'm doing. And That's definitely cool feeling. Right? It's super cool. But it's like as a, as a band, when you're starting out, it's really uh, easy to think that like, because my friends don't care, nobody else is going to care, you know, and you can't get caught up in that. And like people are always engaging with your stuff and seeing your stuff more than you'll realize. Like just because somebody doesn't like something or share something doesn't mean that they didn't listen to it or that they don't know who you are or that they told their friend about it. And you know, you never know. It's always way bigger than the, the numbers or the analytics will like convince you to believe it's always way bigger than that. Yeah, no, that reminds me. Um, my partner Tony told me that like showed me one of their ex's bands and was like, "This person's a piece of shit," but their band's really cool. And I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, if things don't work out, I hope they show people my understatement like years from now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, it's all right. You'll be like, oh no, no, that's are we good enough to be anyway. remembered by an ex? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's. Um, you know, just keep putting out dope music, playing shows, and again, just like pushing to get yourself in front of new eyes and ears as much as you can. Mm-hmm. If you can't get out of town, there's a never-ending pool of local bands to play shows with. Right. You know, sure. you could play as many local shows as you want to. A lot of people say, don't play local all the time. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But if you're always playing with different bands and different clubs, there's always going to be new people to get yeah, yourself yeah. in front of. And like that's what we did. And I think it really helped us a lot when we were starting. It's just like saying yes to pretty much everything as long as it was a room that we hadn't played recently. And if it's with bands that we've never played with before, yes, 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 yes. Let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I feel like we've almost always say yes unless there's a scheduling conflict. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 like did the math and we averaged two point two five shows a month. 
<laughs> we played like 24 since May. That's great. Yeah. Keep keep it rolling. We're, we're trying. There's still that perfect bill that can. There's always a there's always a new bill that would be great that you can just imagine. Yeah, well, there was that, that one that first Eden show that didn't happen. It was gonna be us, Tough Cuff, Giovanni, and Antonigo. Yeah, that, that, that one I was saw that flyer the other day. That was gonna be great. Oh, yeah. someone got at the house got COVID, uh, so they postponed and we got different bands that day. But that was still good. That was really good show. That way it turned out. Yeah, but it was just a little different because like rather than those bands are like punk adjacent, except on the Antonigo, and then this one was like more like indie and math rocky. But it was so awesome, and I, I met Tony at that. So. Yay! <laughs> it worked out. So Tony, April 15th, Tony. you have a record. You're doing the, the release show, right? Yes. When is that? It also April 15th. Also same April day. 15th. Yeah. Uh, should, should Where is that at? That's at the house formerly known as Bossing Say. Okay. Or Base Hardcore Gym or Glove World. And now it's called Eden. It's on Bates Street. And that's why it's called Base Hardcore Gym. Yeah. I can't say the rest of the address on, uh, on camera. Yeah. But DM, if you know, you know. DM understatement if you, band. No. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you probably shouldn't be there anyway. No, yeah, if joking. you don't know, you should be. Everyone should, <laughs> you should be, there. be there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Probably with Back Alley Sound and Lifeguard. Cool. Well, I think a hefty congratulations are in order. Thank You've you. You've done it. You're just at the start of a what will hopefully be a very long, prosperous, and healthy journey. Yeah. Right? I'm hoping. Thank you. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, with all that being said, I think we can wrap this one up. Be sure to follow them at understatement band band on online on on your preferred social media of choice. And if you don't wish to engage on social media, it's kind of weird that you're listening to a podcast. Mm. I don't even know how you found right. this if you're not on social media. But in that rare event, uh, find some way to go out and catch them and see them. Chances are, if you're still listening or watching, you're probably close friends with them at this point. Yeah. So you should be going to the shows anyways. And if you're not going to your friend's shows, but you're listening to their podcasts, screw you. Right, Go to the, the show. show. All right. <laughs> it, it's time to end the beat. Stream. Yeah, end the beat. <laughs> yeah. So is that about it? Anything else you want to throw out there? Um, Yes. Uh, stream motocross daily. Yeah, well, yeah. Our song motocross. You guys That's a really good song. We have a music video for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, almost a 250 it's views. rule one. Stream motocross daily. Every Until day. it gets to more views. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you. Thank you both for coming over. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. That a was lot. a podcast. We did it. That was fun. Hell yeah.